I have a, a, a thoroughly atrocious palate. Record scratch. Hello and welcome to wait. Oh no, this is a what is this? A crossover episode? This is a co-production of the Complete Discography and Babylon Project. Because we thought after a nice long year, we'd get in one last recording of tw- for 2022 before the holidays. My name is Justin, and you know my co-host Anna, but if you only listen to one of our shows, you might not know one of our other guests. So Jude. Aaron slash Zathras, say hello to the ears of the show that you don't regularly appear on. Uh, I'm Jude. I appear on Bab Pod, where I am routinely horny for either space lizard men or space dad captains with good hair. Uh, I don't actually have anything to follow that up. That sort of, I feel like that sums it up nicely. I also do a podcast about Tolkien. I don't know. Listeners, if, you, if you're if you enjoying Jude's voice, you can also uh, catch him on the uh, Locked Tune episodes. Yeah. And, and yeah. if you, yeah. Maybe if you, you haven't read there. those books, go read them, please. Yeah. Uh, you're not allowed to listen to anything else. And also, please at him and tell him to read a Discworld book. I will, before the end... Before the end of, of complete discography, I will read a Discworld book because Aaron has you threatened. Have, you have a vanishing <laughs> number of months to do so. I will, but because Aaron has threatened to not let me have input on the next series of books if I don't. So I, I will. I, I don't will remember do so. making a threat, but it sounds like me. So I'll take it. Uh, yes, I remember because I have very strong feelings about what, what comes next. So. Aaron, for the people of Bad Pod who. <laughs> they have occasionally heard me. I mean, yeah, but it's been a while. Who only know you as our kicking, our our uh, punching bag, Zathras? Uh, I am, uh, I guess, theoretically the host of this network, whatever we might want to call it. Uh, host, editor, etc. Uh, Producer. The idiot who said yes, I will edit this um, book club. Uh, yeah. For which we are eternally grateful. Yeah, it led to some very good things. And little did we know where it would lead and where the world would lead, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for uh, sponsoring our therapy for the last uh, <laughs> two, two years, years and counting. Yeah. Yeah. It's been nice to do something, you know, that made something. Yeah, we're, we're all here. I'm, I'm a little hesitant about this recording simply because I genuinely am not sure where the last year began it still feels I, like one long march to me i mean yeah the the there was a point where i was going through like what we were listing <laughs> i genuinely had to use twitter and <laughs> and i was like wait peacemaker came out this year yeah I, <laughs> so i guess I we should like, we should back up and say what yeah, we're actually doing yeah. tonight oh yeah so this is our holiday party um i i surprisingly not drinking anything alcoholic tonight uh because i was honestly too lazy <laughs> and i not, listen okay there is a bottle of booze within arm's reach of me but it's i cannot open it for <laughs> a, i'm not allowed to open it and it won't be open for another 10 days i see that it's anna has lit the yes. sacred candle 
Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let, let's let's let, let's light one up here too. I'm in a basement. I'm not allowed. I I can't light candles down here, uh, for very valid reasons. Otherwise, I would. And nobody sent me one. We didn't send. I we, had to we buy. We individually <laughs> spent our own money on these Zathras. Uh, we did it for the best. So f- for our holiday party, we are going to be looking back over this year with the help of Wikipedia and Twitter, I guess, because none of us have any sense of how time progresses uh, other than <laughs> was it in the before times or or has it been happening since? Because what we do on this network is consume shit and then make jokes about it. Uh, so we're going to yeah. kind of summarize a little bit what happened in the last year. I mean, we're just going to talk about things that we watched that we didn't make con that we didn't make content about and make one like er content yeah. Bit yeah. as like our holiday party. Yeah. If you're not making content of it, did you really watch it? Did you really read it? <laughs> I watched every, I, I watched every James Bond film and did not live tweet a single one. That's how you'll know when <laughs> Justin truly has hit rock bottom. When, when, when the James Bond live tweet starts. <laughs> I mean, live toots, live Mastodon, live Tumblr. I don't know. Yeah. We're, I, we're going to have to I, figure that out. Um, yeah. I mean, right now I'm also, I, I've started my DS9 rewatch, yes. which. So have I. I. Mean, I'm running, yep. I'm running off the PS5. So that means I can't screen mm. grab stuff. So it makes any like. You could, you could do the. You can do the um, your OG screen grab, which is to grab your phone and take a picture of the television. No, because I'm okay. So I have to be real clear. I think that that is like one of the most annoying things possible. <laughs> um, I hate it, and I literally will cut. Like if I if people do that, I will say Windows Shift S. So the problem I've run into, I was trying to do this the other day. Uh, Fucking Paramount Plus will black the screen when you screenshot. So you take a screenshot and it's black. Because I was trying to screenshot the look on Bashir's face when Garrick puts his hands on his shoulders for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And there's this look of like confusion, arousal, excitement. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. All I can at find one that time for you, Jude. Well, yeah. Well, yes, I found the gift. But I mean, I was trying to like, as I was chatting about it in our our thread on Discord. Uh, I was trying to grab screenshots and it kept coming up black uh, and I was annoyed. Anyway, uh, let's start with movies. That's at the top of our document. So let's, uh, yes, let's start yeah. there. The form of media that I apparently don't really consume. You know why? And I'll, I have the same problem and I figured out what, and I thought about this. It's not like I figured anything out. It was not like, not like a fucking revelation, but I thought about this and it's one, I'm still afraid of movie theaters mm-hmm. and two, by the time something has progressed from movie theater to streaming, I have forgotten about it. Yep. Yeah. I'm right Unless there with you. I am on Amazon shopping for depression knickknacks at 1 a.m. <laughs> and I see that Top Gun 2 is now streaming. And I think, there you go. There's a way to punish yourself for being sad. Let's watch Top Gun 2. <laughs> and that's how I ended up watching Top Gun 2, but not like glass onion or everything everywhere all at once because those things i mean are good and i haven't run across them at 1 a.m when i'm feeling shitty about myself glass onion is glass onion is a weird one which by the way i will say is probably my movie of 2020 i'm so excited to watch (laughs) um 
I'm literally just reading the list of things like, I didn't like it, see it, that it, I wanted it, to. It had a. It's barely even out because they they did a limited release to like 600 theaters, and for like a week. Yeah. And then they're gonna put it up on Christmas, which is so it's just release a fucking movie. You're gonna make so much more money that way. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that uh when it came out at Thanksgiving, I would have had to cross the border into Canada to watch it within like a three hour drive. Yeah, I mean I like I, I my sister and I we we like like an eleven AM showing and like on, on Black Friday and just crash, uh, just crash that, and it's good. Yeah, nice. But yeah, I um. So yeah, that was my movie of twenty twenty two because it did what the first one did. Like it, it, it kept the same genre of the first one while having an entirely different skeleton. Interesting. And halfway through the movie, it tells you, okay, everything that you thought you watched, let's roll back. And look at that through another person's eyes. Hmm. Interesting. I'm excited to see it because yeah. I really enjoyed the first one. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was not. A, I, I had no idea what to expect of the first one because all I had heard was that Daniel Craig has a goofy nanny accent in it, and that it was from the guy that did Last Jedi. Like, I went into the fucking first movie blind as you could possibly be and loved it. So I'm excited to see the second one. The cast is fantastic. Like, le- like legitimately. Everybody in that movie is fantastic. Um, Edward Norton. Edward Norton just plays Elon Musk. <laughs> um, oh goodness! And it's that as sounds amazing. Terrifying as you would think it is. Um, Good God! Yeah, it, and there's like five things. There, there's every casting choice in this movie is perfect, including some of the most like there. There are no. There are three cameos that are just like. Oh my god! Nice. The one I really want to see that I'm I I really wish I had gotten off my ass to see in the theaters. Uh, not because I, and this is nothing against Black Panther. I thought the first one was terrific. It's simply like I consume a lot of comic books and I just don't care about Black Panther. It's just not a title that's ever grabbed me. But I do care about Namor a lot, and uh, I absolutely want to see Namor on screen. Especially since he's like apparently like canonically a mutant in that film. Yeah, they say the word. They they say the M word. Um, so I'm very excited to see that. Uh, but I I just I haven't gotten. I I'm not going to get into the theater to see a movie I don't actually care a ton about just to see like one character. Wakanda Forever is real. It was really good. I my my thing of it is like I think it's about a uh, 15 minutes to like a half hour too long and could have cut one, at least one plot line from it. So it, it's, so it's a Marvel movie. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good. And, but it's trying to do too much, which, so it's a Marvel I mean, movie. Yeah. I mean, Ryan or, or is it, did Ryan Coogler do Wakanda forever yeah. or am I, yeah. I mean, while still right. need to watch both that and the new Dr. Strange and the, no kidding. You can, yeah, the the new the new Doctor Strange is a pass. The only my personal two cents. The only redeeming thing in the new Doctor Strange is uh, there's one scene where Strange has a ghost cloak. He's got like a zombie mandala arm thing going on and a and a cloak of ghosts. And that scene is so fucking dope that it almost <laughs> made the whole movie worth it because it was just so bananas, Evil Dead 
cool. Yeah, I think I think your enjoyment of like multiverse of madness is entirely hinged upon how much you like Sam Raimi. Fair. Because it's it's Sam Raimi, but very reined in, but it's still Sam Raimi. It's I mean, it, it's it's exactly what it is on the cover. It's Sam Raimi doing a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Um, yeah. But that one scene is so fucking bananas, like Evil Dead. It's Doctor Strange goes Evil Dead, and it's just it's such a good moment. And it's a mo- it's a moment. Yeah, there's and there's some fun like there's some fun horror bits in there as well. Yeah, yeah like or like monster movie bits. Yeah. I, I I'd say it's like not really horror, but monster movie. Yeah, but that I was like a good Gonzo moment. Yeah, yeah. My like my like issue with movies is in part that I feel like two hours or for some of these like two hours and change or three hours and change or whatever is like I. It's hard to focus for that long sometimes. Yeah, I think that like I think most movies are too long, and it's like I I prob I I definitely out of the four of us pull my ass out to the movies the most because I have no partner or children to worry about, so I am the one who's like I don't have anything going on on a Saturday morning. It's ten a.m. I want to go through an entire thing of popcorn on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going to feel slightly bad about it. But I can do that on my couch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't. <laughs> I'm still. Afraid, I'm still. I'm still also pretty nervous about going to a movie theater. I'm just lazy. I, <laughs> I live in Ohio. Like there is no movie theater that I can trust will be like not gross. I mean, this is what it boils down to. Even with like reserved seating, you get to a movie theater and there's no there's no guarantee that somebody's not going to walk in, sit right behind you. And refuse to wear a mask and cough the entire film. Like that's yeah. So uh, mild agoraphobia plus COVID means uh, I don't see a lot of movies in the theater. Well, the only movie that I actually remember watching this year was not from this year. Uh, okay, but it was it's a really weird, funny little film uh, called The Little Hours. Uh, which you probably have never heard of, but it has a lot of people that you probably would know. I heard. I remember seeing like bits for like ads for it before it, it came opened out. in two theaters. Huh? Huh? It's Aubrey Plaza, Allison Brie, Kate Micucci, like that entire crew of comedians. And it's oh my based God. on, it's based on a couple of stories from Boccaccio's to Cameron. And it is exactly as horny as those stories actually were. Um, I should check that out. It's, it it's really funny. Yeah. I can't remember where, but I'm sure it's we on were, something that I'm subscribed to. Yeah. My wife and I were like, we like Aubrey Plaza. Let's see if she's done anything else that's streaming. And found that and we're like, sure, why not? Excellent. Yeah. Apparently it's like loosely based on the, the, the Cameron, but like most of the script is improvised. I don't know. It works. Huh. It's funny. Cool. Because this came out December 25th of last year, I'm calling it a 2022 film because it's fucking close enough. Uh, Joel Cohen's uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Hmm. Is that the one with uh, um, what's his name in it? Denzel Washington. Uh, with Denzel. Yeah, I've heard amazing things. Yeah. Another yeah. film. I, I it's still it is seen. it's on it's on Apple. Um, it's yeah, it's in black and white. It is gorgeous. Um, like it's beautifully shot. Um, the a lot of the I, if I remember right, it's like the castle that they film like or the, like the castle that it was filmed in. Is like some like weird 
structure in Oregon, I want to say. Um, I can't, I, I might be mixing it or something else. But yeah, it's, it's done in like a funky aspect ratio too, but it looks great. Uh, Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand just like freaking kill it. Uh, they had a thing where like they, they talked about this in an interview where they, where they were trying to figure out the dynamic of their Macbeth and Lady Macbeth because they're both a little older mm-hmm. and they're like, what if, what if Macbeth and Lady Macbeth were Romeo and Juliet, but they didn't die at the end of the play <laughs> and they've been married for 45 years. Oh, interesting. <laughs> huh. Yeah. That's, that's on my to watch list. I should get around to it. This, you know, this winter break. Yeah. Um, it's, it's delightful. I, it comes in, it comes in an hour 45. So, you know, like if you, I, I call it this, I, I think it is the second, it's the second best adaptation to Macbeth. The first being Throne of Blood. Um, <laughs> oh, just because Throne of Blood fixes the ending and makes it better. <laughs> this is my hot take. <laughs> I watched a couple of movies that were not new but were new to me because i this me not watching a lot of movies is not a new thing i finally got around to watching both the mask and megamind the mask is in the jim carrey one jim carrey and then wow wow good lord nice yeah that movie's that i I wonder how yeah it was really funny like that I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure it's in the zone. I think I'd have to watch it again to figure out whether I'd want to recommend it to somebody, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. Um, it just feels like very nineties. Yeah, yeah. But like, is that bad though? So it's a period piece? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck um you. but it was it was God. like really <laughs> wild and enjoyable to watch and just like strong fever dream energy. Yeah. Well that's Jim Carrey in the nineties for you. Right, right. Yeah, but uh, like, my, which but is like the, which works. is what gave the Truman Show such whiplash effect. Yeah, yeah, and and it like I I like the like breaking the fourth wall aspect of it. That yeah, you know, that's one of the mask's superpowers, and I enjoyed it. And Mega Mind was also Mega Mind was also fun. Jim Carrey plays uh, Doctor Eggman in Sonic, the Sonic <laughs> movies. Oh my and gosh! My son is obsessed with these movies. Um. <laughs> And he is exactly as unhinged as you think he's going to be in those oh, films. Yeah, he, he is, he's Jim Carrey doing Dr. Eggman, like with the fucking mustache and like, oh God. So he doesn't, he doesn't chew scenery. He puts it in the Vitamix. <laughs> there, look, those films are exactly <laughs> what you think they are, but that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. So. And that's, that was pretty much what I felt about the mask yeah movies can be fun you guys yeah movies can just be fun yeah they don't have to be big and dark yeah i like some i like some big and dark movies but i like to have variety let's move on to tv oh yeah Yeah. this this is where we shine aaron do you want to scream about severance with me yeah i do i'll be back in an hour (laughs) (laughs) i got stuff to do let's Actually, what would be really funny is if I just put a jump cut right here and we kept going. Yeah, <laughs> but you'll only get that if you watch Severance. You have to do the you have to do the little sound sound effect. Um, mm. The only problem though is that yeah. I don't think that I don't think that we can do Dolly Zoom on the on the the Zoom chat. Yeah, here. it's hard to do. Yeah, 
It's it's really good. If you're still paying for Apple TV in between Ted Lasso seasons, it is probably some of the best sci-fi I've seen in recent years. And I'll I'll second that. It's incredibly weird um and incredibly good. It's just it's very tightly done, but in a way where they let silence do the work. Interesting. They let tension ramp because there's these long there's these long stretches where they're walking down hallways, for example, and the the way that they position the camera, the way that they let the the faces of the actors do the talking, like it the tension ramps because nothing's happening and you know something is going to happen. It's really, really good. And yeah. speaking of, Ben Stiller, amazing director. Yeah, yeah turns out he's much more tolerable as a director than he is as an actor. Uh, let's see. Other things that I watch, uh, Peacemaker, great. Oh, yeah. Spectacular. Peacemaker was Probably fantastic. Probably like the, the pinnacle of never skip the intro music uh, <laughs> TV. Yeah. I, the, yeah, I mean, Peace, Peacemaker was so much better than it had any right to be. I, I haven't watched it yet. It's... Like, as somebody who, like, my primary exposure to John Cena being John Cena the wrestler of, like, the the early 2010s, where he is, like, playing the shallowest character possible who is marketed to six-year-olds, is, like, it's a real whiplash of, like, the, like, Peacemaker is about addressing toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that that is his core theme and like truly just Cena is fantastic in it while also like everybody in the show is an asshole mm-hmm. but also like they're they're it it's a show that like bounces between people are assholes and these very honest earnest moments of connection between human beings yeah that's like i'm it's good thing twitter's dying so they don't get any ads here but it's like if the boys was good (laughs) yeah i mean it's it it is it it is pulling on the same ideas and themes of the boys but it's engaging with with it yeah it's engaging with it and presenting it itself with like with an honest like internal like it's asking itself questions mm-hmm. and, and trying to find those answers and asking the viewers questions too yeah yeah i i, I 100% agree with that that's interesting because like everything i've heard about the boys has made me really not want to watch it same here uh, yeah me neither <laughs> i watched some of the first season and i was like meh uh which is a shame because i there are actors on it that i really really enjoy Mm-hmm. No. But like pe- people keep like describing episodes to me being like, this is super cool. And I'm like, that sounds actually horrific. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, it's Game of Thrones territory for me, honestly. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's like, it does some things and it does it like 70% of what it could do. And it's just for me. And then it's just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking about things that we're enthusiastic about though now. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, if you haven't watched Dairy Girls, please go watch Dairy Girls. It's so good. It's I keep, so good. I have multiple people telling me to watch that show. Our friend Liz, who is, I've known since high school, adores that show and has been yelling at me to watch that show for a while. It's it's speaking of shows that are 
like 110% heart, but also really funny. Like the description of it is, you know, teenagers growing up in uh, Londonderry in, during the the sort of the the height slash end of the troubles. Like, okay. But it whiplashes you between like bomb threats and teenagers arguing. Like, you know, there there's these real people living real lives in the middle of a horrific situation. And it's just it's just funny and well written and heartbreaking all at the same time. And some of the best use of, of Cranberry's music, like <laughs> I've heard. I'll have to check it out. Thank yeah. you for it's the recommendation. Really good. It's really, really, really good. I think my number one, there was a lot of stuff this year that was good, but I think the number one for me, and this is saying something because this is the year that Rings of Power came out and Rings of Power obviously was a big fucking deal for someone who has a goddamn Tolkien podcast. But I think the number one thing for me this year was uh, Strange New Worlds because not just because of Pike. I see that look, (laughs) but because that show very much like brought me back into Star Trek. I have been sort of tuned out of Star Trek for a long time and Strange New Worlds really sort of reminded me how much I loved that show and that franchise when I was a kid. Um, nothing against the Star Treks that have aired since then. I just kind of went on to other things, but um, Strange New Worlds just worked for me so well that it really uh, drew me back. And that's why I ended up watching a bunch of the TOS episodes for my sins and then moved on to DS9. Uh, I'm really, I really loved Strange New Worlds. There was literally nothing. Well, there was one episode that I thought was a little rough. But other than that, there was like no episode of that of that first season I didn't love. Yeah. Um. So that was a real joy, just like a joy. Uh, that's what we kept saying about it on the sh- on our, uh, our 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 episodes about it. I was let down by a lot of stuff this year, but that was the one that like just consistently delivered. And then Rings of Power was great too. That was the other hi- highlight for me you know, speaking about things that I loved rings of power was a show that just every episode got a little bit better than the one before it. And at the end there, it was just knocking it out of the park. I'm I'm happy to hear that you liked it. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I'll put it on the list for the break. There's um, a character in that show that I got really enthusiastic about. And, uh, I really, really liked, uh, so I feel like, um, this is a good year for Trek. Lower Decks also had a really stellar season. Hmm. Yeah. With, again, only one episode that was kind of a dud. Yeah, overall, I think it was, I think it was a really, it was a really solid year from Trek. I haven't, I haven't watched Prodigy, but um, some of my friends who have like kids who are in the age group who, for Prodigy have like they've watched it with their kids and are like oh yeah this is this was really good yeah um it's like it's it's like on the level of like early rebels in terms of like maturity which i'm like okay yeah i'd have to be in a specific mood to want to watch that yeah but yeah i mean that sounds cool um i am i i like the i like the concept of like a lot of non-humanoid characters in Star Trek, which I think is something that animation can obviously more easily do than live action. Yeah. Yeah. We started watching that uh, a while back and just for various reasons didn't keep watching it, not because we didn't like it, just logistics, but yeah, several of the main characters, it would be almost impossible to do with, with prosthetics, if not completely impossible. Yeah, I mean, you might have to do some of those characters with, like, CGI, but it would just be, right. like... Just Andy Serkis, right? Or you, or you could yeah. just call in Henson and do a puppet, you know? 
Do a puppet. Farscape or just it. do Andy Serkis. <laughs> so the, actually, one one quick thing. One of the things that I was thinking about as I, I was looking at the TV stuff, like I feel like this year more than more than most, there have been a lot of songs that have been excavated by TV shows that like you know because we had the Kate Bush moment, we had the mm-hmm. the Peacemaker folk, the Do you really want to taste it or whatever it's called. And, you know, big eyebrow here from the kid born in the 80s, but uh, the TikTok generation discovering Master of Puppets was very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was Have good. you heard of this that band was, called Metallica? That was a legitimately great use of that song. Uh, yeah. And I love the way that Metallica engaged with that, too. Um, and brought the guy on stage and stuff. Yeah. 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 I thought that was really fun. And I've really been enjoying the resurgence of uh, Running Up That Hill remixes and stuff like that, because... I fucking grew up with Kate Bush cassettes from my mom and I love the I love those cassettes so very very much and it's really nice nostalgia. Yeah. So anyway, thank you TikTok. Um <laughs> I mean, I want to talk about some TV I watched this year. No, uh, no, my, no, no, no. My my thing for series of the year. What's that? Which is Andor. I was just about to say, let's let's talk about the 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 Disney shows, the the Marvel and the Star Wars is Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I personally found uh, I I did not really enjoy Tales of the Jedi. I haven't watched Tales of the Jedi, be- so I can't. Uh, speak partly to that. because it's like I think there was a lot of stories there that were like either jumping on other existing stories and like sort of overwriting them, or like filling in stuff that I had sort of. This is one of those things of like. I already had headcanons about some stuff like Dooku, like Dooku's previous, you know, it's just not stuff that I particularly got a lot out of. Here's my complaint. I'll be brief. Why would you steal Tales of the Jedi, the name and the logo, and not use the best Jedis, the very best Jedi to ever live for your Tales of the Jedi series? Why would you not make... Because Revan isn't canon anymore. It's not Revan. Revan's, Revan's a punk. Uh, and, he, and he actually is canon for what it's worth, uh, but he's a punk. No, I am speaking of, of course, of course, my, my good Twilik boy, you know, from Tales of the Jedi. Because, because Tales of the Jedi was just an excuse so that Paolo Hidalgo could, could pull a familiar name and just do more Ahsoka stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it's that, that's, that's why, that's sort of why I'm grumpy about it. But let's talk about Andor because... I haven't watched it yet, but I, I, everybody I've talked to has said it's amazing. It is a Star Wars series that could exist outside of Star Wars and is therefore a stronger Star Wars story because of it. Um, and like it, it fits her. I mean, by no, there's no reason it should exist. It's a prequel to a prequel. <laughs> um, but like Diego, like Diego Luna is just like putting this, fucking masterclass on and he's just putting the entire show on his back and then you have gosh what's her name Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma who has glowed up from being a cameo in a deleted scene in Revenge of the Sith to I want an entire like I want an entire TV series of like boring Coruscant political intrigue starring Mon Mothma. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's on like my list to watch because I've, I've heard it, amazing yeah. things about it. It's, 
I think it's it's a show that there's it's weird because it's not a show that is like you're you're desperately wanting to see what happens next because there's no mystery to the show. It's you want to see what happens you you want to see what happens next because the action it's the action and problems are compelling. Nice. Um yeah. And like there's just a lot of like little bits of the show that are very like they're they're both incredibly well they're they're incredible yeah they're both incredibly well written and incredibly well executed which is it's it's just a fantastic alchemy of a lot of great things yeah i i'm looking forward to 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 taking that one in i uh was waiting for it all to be done so i could watch the whole thing kenobi i enjoyed watching but I don't think it was great. I think the only like Marvel Disney thing I really loved was Moon Knight. Uh, just because Oscar Isaacs is just fucking sort of the way you talk about Diego Luna carrying that whole series. Oscar yeah. Isaacs is so good in that show and so earnest. And I think the show really was working hard to do some interesting things with the Marvel format. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed Moon Knight. Um, as did I I didn't get super into any of the other Marvel stuff this year but that one really got its hooks in me I did enjoy She-Hulk as well I liked the 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 main plot of She-Hulk I I didn't find as compelling as I did like the bits yeah I just found it fun to watch like it it didn't like stick with me as like you know top whatever media of the year but it was a lot of fun to watch yeah yeah like um, She-Hulk and Daredevil shacking up Yes, was great. I love yeah. that Daredevil. This this confirms that Daredevil Devil now canonically fucks. Yeah, well, I mean yeah, Daredevil. He does. Uh, Daredevil canonically fucks. He cries afterwards. Yeah, yeah but, I was going to say, as a good Catholic boy, he feels guilty about it. Like uh, he cries afterwards, but during that man works. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've read enough. I've read enough Daredevil comics to know that man lays pipe. <laughs> there, I loved all the the fourth wall breaking bits uh in that show um yeah but yeah i i enjoyed it what is going on down there cat um i I loved Uh, all the times when the my favorite fourth wall breaking for that was when um whenever jennifer was like and she hulk is expensive on the screen you know what i mean (laughs) i i liked the first half of miss marvel um that like i i think it's sort of like unraveled a little bit towards the end but it was like it it got a lot of what i enjoyed from the original g well g willow wilson run of miss marvel and like what made that what made kamala khan like like a genuinely like interesting and refreshing character yeah i think the like the only bits i had is like that it could have leaned earlier and harder into like the the weird I, I, it's one of those things of like superheroes, especially teenage superheroes need to lean more into the awkward and changing and doing like a weird fake out on her powers and not leaning into the body, like the, the, the stretchy, like size changing and stretching powers of Ms. Marvel 
are there because being a teenager is weird and it's about your body going under weird changes. It's why it sort of works. And like the, the weird energy power is just like, I don't know why they did that. Probably because it's like easier to do CG of weird energy powers than it is to do body stretching. Yeah, but I wish they would try. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What else? Sandman. Sandman oh, yeah, was this year. Yeah, Sandman was yeah. was one of those things. Where I was like, could never film that. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you take when you let the. Well, I don't. That's not even true. Uh. I will get on my well-worn adaptation soapbox and say that not every creator is qualified to make, to take their own media into new formats. Um, but I think at this point, Neil Gaiman has demonstrated he's pretty adept at that. Um, <laughs> after um, Good Omens uh, really was a real hit and successful in doing what I think a lot of people thought was impossible in translating that, that novel into the TV. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't think Sandman could, could, could do it. Um, mm-hmm. But he's demonstrated that he has a, a, a good finesse at taking these comic and book properties and putting them into new formats in ways that are uh, pretty elegant, frankly. Uh, so I think it was a, a good, a really good example of adaptation. Yeah, the and, full cast and I adaptation. Like, I'm going to put a plug in here also for the full cast adaptation of it on uh, Audible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. really really good. Yeah, um, and I felt like it did a really good job of modernizing it as well. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That yeah, um, it both it both was um, very nicely modernized in terms of like changing the setting and not. Like it made sense that it wasn't set, you know, back in the eighties, nineties, et cetera. Um, but it kept the like bones of it. And can yeah. we talk about Joanna fucking Constantine? Constantine. <laughs> Constantine, whatever. I oh I, I'm doing like right now the Leo Leonardo DiCaprio biting knuckles meme. Yeah. <laughs> God. I'm just like let us I give us I, a show. Give us a as somebody Jenna who has Coleman been as someone who has Constantine been horny show. for Constantine, as somebody who's been horny for Constantine, like for like over half my life, like you know, some of the first comics I ever bought were were Hellblazer or stuff that I was probably too young to read. But like you know, also I'm like it, it yeah, I mean, it did such a deft job of like changing stuff that needed to be changed or smoothing out things that like you know and this doesn't really need to be there or it this works better for the screen i'm i think like that's the i think well that is the important part of doing adaptation yeah and i think that's one where some creators struggle to recognize to the difference between essential and i wrote it so it must be essential uh okay baby i love you but you can't sit there while I'm talking because your purrs will fuck up my audio. And uh, I, I don't get me wrong. I like to make Zathras work, but I think that might be a bridge too far. Trying to filter out the cat purrs from underneath my my speaking. Um, well, I'm just glad that we're not getting video of this too because we keep getting the cat butt. <laughs> there you go, guys. Um, there we go. Yeah, we got, I got, got to see the eye of Satan there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think Gaiman has a really nice touch at recognizing 
what part of his own work is the core and what part of it is necessary to keep the spirit of it alive. And that sounds like, well, duh, because he wrote it, he should know that. But holy fuck. He's very self he like he's he has a great self-awareness yeah a lot of creators don't have that a lot of people sit down to make the uh a show or a movie out of their their book or comic book and they're like oh everything's important and it's like well that's that's," or like you know this this stuff is important it's like no you're 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 too close to it and i think gaiman is very good at that and i think that's what makes him a good showrunner for uh good omens and a good showrunner for sandman and there's a few uh, cartoons that I feel like have been knocking it out the, out of the park lately. Um, Bob's Burgers and and the Great North both had really solid years, and The Simpsons also. I've been I've started to rewatch The Simpsons, and the latest season is excellent. Really? Huh? Yeah. I'm surprised. Got to yeah. got to tell you, I didn't know they were still making The Simpsons. I I went back to. We we did a we did there a rewatch. There would be articles if they stopped making The Simpsons. Uh, we did a rewatch of all of the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Those are fun. And then we started. We went back to about five years ago, and The Simpsons are good again. Like there's the doldrums, but they they're starting to like. I would say that in the latest few seasons, they have not only there are they tackling like modern storylines, but also they're tackling storylines that they've done before and being like that's okay we've got a new take on this now rather than the kind of like that middle period where they just kept keep coming up with like zanier and zanier stuff but the the great north and um the great north and bob's burgers are both excellent and had really good years if anybody wants just like a the the like family cartoon where the family are all queer, all neurodivergent, and all love each other. <laughs> also, for my adopted city, watch Abbott Elementary and Go Birds. All right. Books and comics. Yeah. Books and comics. Books and, Books and comics. comics. Yeah. I'm going to start out and just bang it out because I had a fucking banger of a book year. So I'm just going to do my bit, get get my list out. Uh, I read a fuck ton of books this year. Um I'm not even going to try and name all of them. I just want to call out a couple of the, the, the headlines. I finally, after much badgering, read the Imperial Radic books um, and was shocked that they were not at all what I thought they would be. They were way better. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited that there's more of those coming. That was super exciting. Um, I don't remember if this was the year I started reading the Goblin Emperor stuff. I don't think so. No, no. But I you, definitely you read them. That to me forever ago. I definitely read them at least twice this year, the whole series of them. So I'm going to mention them again. Um, obviously, Nona uh, was a, a big tentpole this year. Um, a big one for me this year was like cozy fantasy because we live in a hellscape and I needed things that were nice. So if you've ever wanted to read books that were like fantasy books, but like the world's not ending, it's just nice. Uh, there's a whole like subgenre of fantasy books now, including one about an orc that retires from adventuring to open a coffee shop. That's it. It's really, that's about the highlight of, that's literally the whole plot. Uh, 
that got on the New York Times bestseller list. Amazing. It I've was heard such good things about it. It's in, it's, it's on my Kindle. It's, sorry, it's called it's called Legends and Lattes, and it's this was a self published book. They got picked up by Tor and is now on the the New York Times bestseller list. It's amazing, terrific. It is such a good book. Um, the Paladin series, very good. Uh, uh, you should mention that that's the so this is this is the White Rat series by um, T Kingfisher, aka yeah. Ursula Vernon. Oh, I know her. Yeah, yeah. She has She's, appeared on our show. There, that's a great series. Um, and last, my, uh, I read a bunch of other stuff, but the last thing I'll mention is, um, so uh, Aconite Books has the license for all of the fiction properties from uh, Fantasy Flight. So they've been doing fucking a bajillion books for shit like Marvel and um, like... And all kinds of weird stuff. Um, some Lovecraft shit. Um, Descent. Uh, but the one that they've been doing, I think, really well on is uh, my perennial uh, problematic fave, L5R. These books are legitimately, some of them are legitimately great. Um, I just got a um, galley for night per- for um, the sequel to Night Parade of 100 Demons which is incredibly good. Um, but the Daidoji Shin novels are also incredibly good. Um, but what's really remarkable about these books is that they're like well-written and they're also shedding a lot of the shitty parts of that franchise. They're, these books are often very queer and very accepting and very like shed and put aside a lot of the really kind of crummy tropes that defined L5R for a lot of years. So thumbs up for me. So that was kind of my, a condensed version of, of my year in books. Uh, a lot of good fantasy, a lot of good, some good sci-fi, but mostly just books that were nice. I kind of avoided a lot of the depressing grimdark horse shit this year. I, I also read the, the white rat books for the first time this year and holy cow, they are, they are fun. And Jude, if you haven't read, um, the clock tour books or sword heart, they're in the same universe. I read sword heart. I haven't read the clock tower one. Yeah. And clock, the clock tour are the, the earliest ones and are a little bit more adventure and a little bit less romance. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, Varying degrees of horniness in the Paladin books. Some of them are real horny. Um, some of them are more romancy. I I finally I finally got around to reading the Goblin Emperor and as well as its um the other the other books in the series that Witness follow. of the Dead and... yeah Witness for the Dead and Grief of Stones. Those are just phenomenal. Um, if anybody I... listening to this hasn't read them yet, they're just they're really good. Um, I could do an hour and a half just on how badly I want Thara Kelahar to have a nice day. <laughs> just let him have a nice day. Let him have a, a, a nice afternoon with a nice opera composer. Maybe they hold hands a little bit. I don't know. Like just, he's just had a rough time. Let him have a nice day. I think I think we might need to schedule 
one of these where just you and I just talk about these books. They're so good. Uh, please read them. They're just so good. They're, they're like um, the Goblin Emperor. Like if you liked Ted Lasso, you will probably like the Goblin Emperor because like on the one hand, it is a fantasy thing with elves and goblins and imperial politics, but also it's about the transformative nature of kindness. And yeah. there, and we'll, we'll have to talk about the parallels sometime else because I yeah. think that we would go way too long. Um, I also read the the final Wayfarers book this year by Becky Chambers, um, the Galaxy and the Ground Within, which I'd been putting off because those books always wreck me emotionally in like the best way, but I'm not always like you know. I'm not always in the in the correct mood for that. Um, the Galaxy in the Ground Within is amazing. Um, it may be my favorite of all four of them. And that's saying a lot. I've read two of them. I haven't read the one about the pilot's sister. It's we can we can that's that's the that's the third one. Um, yeah. And I'll note that that's not entirely about pilot sister. She's one of the sub narratives. That's just how I know which one it is. Yeah. Yeah. But you should read that one as well. But that one, that one will probably wreck you. It is. No yeah. Way. But like in a good way, but like <laughs> read, read that if you want, like, if you want like a soothing cry. <laughs> also read a lot of Pratchett this year. I yeah. Can't why. We, we, we read, we read, yeah, you know, I did too. I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's uh, my line. Let's see. Um, you read anything else this year, Aaron? That you want to call remember. out? I don't really don't remember. I'm sorry. Um, I probably read books. I don't remember. <laughs> you, didn't your daughter start reading Dark is Rising? Uh, we've been reading that uh, after dinner as a family, and it it is exactly as I remembered it, and it is awesome. Dark is Rising, along with Red Wall, were like, one of the book series that Aaron and I bonded over when we were years old, when we first met uh, mm-hmm. many, many years ago. And uh, I was, I'm really looking forward to reading them with my kids. So it's, I've been vicariously enjoying these stories of, of you reading them with your daughters. It's really good. We're, we're going to, we might have to talk about that on, on air at some point. They're, there's such... they're t- terrific. And shamefully underappreciated novels yeah there's so so many like so many books that came after that you'll once you read the darkest rising cycle you're like oh they stole all of that (laughs) (laughs) i i'd be i'd like to reread those it's been i read i read them as a kid but it's been a hot minute yeah yeah we we skipped over sanderstone uh I might Honestly, come back to it. I think the appropriate reading order for that series is Dark is Rising all the way through the end and then go back and read Oversea Understone because like yeah. it, it has no bearing on the rest of the series and it's so yeah. tonally like different. So, yeah, it was written like 20 years before the rest. Anyway, this isn't the podcast about that yet. Yet. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I probably read other books. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, Justin, you go. All right, so um, 
this year, uh, I, I've been reading a lot of graphic novels this year. Um, like I read, I, I read a couple books on like soccer history, which was, which were very fun, uh, as sort of like a run up to the world cup. That was, that was interesting. We'll say that it was interesting. Um, let's see right now. Um, something that was surprisingly good this year uh, was a crossover event that Marvel did called the Judgment Day. Um, I completely forgot to talk about comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, Judgment Day is interesting because um, there is a concept in like Marvel comics. Um, the whole thing behind the Eternals is that they are like basically guardians and heralds for a race called the Celestials that judge the worthiness of planets, and um, and they're buttholes. Yeah, they're assholes. Um, and it's about what happens when you accidentally create God and God um, says that you're not right. Uh, and it's... Oh, doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, there are a couple writers... It's, like, it's a couple writers doing it, but Kieran Gillen uh, is the pro- was the primary like writer and architect of the story. And it's fantastic. Um it's about how I in real in reality it's about how every person matters, um, which is nice. Um, I also read uh, another one interesting was Crimson Cage, which was another Scottish play adaptation, but it was set in an eighties wrestling territory, uh, which it was it was a fascinating read, and I'm just like it was a, a bonkers enough pitch that I had to that I had to check it out, and it was delightful. Um, the other thing that I think Anna and Jude you would both love is IDW Star Trek series. Um, so there's two things that I I will recommend. One of them is still ongoing and it's like still going, but um, there's a series of comics called uh, Star Trek Year Five, which is about the last of the five years of the five year mission of the original Enterprise. Mm. Um, and, um, I've read the first volume of it and, um, the way it was, the way that they're sort of done is that, um, is that they would do two episodes or they would do two issues to one story and they'd sort of, it would sort of just be extra episodes almost. Interesting. Um, and it, it turned out to be very interesting and. Um, I, I read through the first three stories and they're very good. Um, like there's one that is expanding on the Tholians. Um, there, and there's one of them where they go back to the mobster planet. Um, and it's the weirdest twist they could have taken. And I really, and it's very funny. Um, and right now they're also doing a series that's just called Star Trek. It's two epi- it's two issues in, and it is about Cisco returning from the wormhole um, with a with a mission from the prophets, which is that some aliens are killing gods. Uh, that's a like, wild premise, and I'm I, I should read that. Oh, it's delightful! Like. There, there's a splat. There, there's some gore. Like the art, it's gorgeous. And the main ship that Cisco is commanding through this. Oh, by the way, the because it's sort of like uh, Cisco or Cisco asks Picard for help of all people. 
Uh, and Picard agrees, but he's like, but you're taking my first office. You're taking a first officer of my choosing. And it's Data. So the cast is Cisco, Data. Uh, the chief engineer is Scotty. Beautiful. Uh, because Scotty's still alive in Star Trek because of the whole time displacement. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, the doctor is Crusher. The pilot is Tom Paris. Um, be- because Bellata kicks him out of the house because he's because like she's like I need time with the baby. Fuck off. Wow. Uh, uh, that's literally how like that's how it's described as like Bellata kicked me out of the house because she just she needed some time alone. Um, and uh, there's oh and, and Doctor Crusher. Um, and Worf also makes an appearance Beautiful. and. Like the 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 series is interacting with oh and the ship is called the Theseus. That's not at all fucking foreshadowing. No, and it's it is <laughs> no, it's because it's a it's a Starfleet Corps of Engineering test bed where they've where it's purposefully designed to go take out systems and replace it. It's not just a meta joke; it's Starfleet making a meta joke. Wow, Jesus. That's because they're yeah they're that. Um, Look, engineers can sometimes have very specific naming conventions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like what? Uh, yeah, but that it's delightful. Um, the The two writers on it are also one of the right are also one of the sets of writers for uh, Star Trek Year Five, and both I would actually recommend. Is there? They both capture the what makes Star Trek interesting to me. Cool. Um. And yeah, I'm also reading '80s Captain America right now, um, which like literally there is an issue that I just read where it's implied that Nancy Reagan is a lizard person and Captain America kills her. Wow, um, it's freaking wild. You you know, you used to be able to write anything. I yeah. Let's not get into my feelings about '80s Captain America. Let's move on. I think it's interesting. It's it's Mark Grunewald did some interesting stuff. I just hate Captain uh, America. So oh, I, I this is the this is the point. I, I think this is the it's the most radical interpretation of it, and it's delightful. Um, but we have one last section, or at least one last big main section. Games. Um, yeah, let's talk about some games. Aaron, do you want to lead us off? Uh, well, uh, Dwarf Fortress finally had a full release. <laughs> yeah, uh, how much money those guys made? Well deserved, too. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ! No, they, well deserved. I started but... playing this game as a pay what you want slash freeware thing in I want to say 2006 or 2007. Yeah, and even then, it was maddeningly complex, and it has only gotten deeper since then. And they finally put it out on Steam with some really good improvements and an amazingly, uh, like, I don't know, the soundtrack is great too. Um, and they're just raking in cash. And also, I think that the, the thing that, that is so perfect for it... I, so, if you're not familiar with Thor Fortress, think RimWorld, think the thing that inspired Minecraft, RimWorld, pretty much any survival game that you've ever played came because somebody played Dwarf Fortress and was like, huh, this gives me an idea. Um, but the thing that I'd love even more than any of this is this massive, massive thread on the Steam community uh, where somebody was like, 
this seems kind of sketched that like this game came out three hours ago and it has already gotten you know, 170,000, I can't remember what it was originally, <laughs> like 1,700 positive reviews. Are there really people who were playing this for free that were waiting to pay 30 bucks for this? And there's this thousands of responses of just, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People seem very excited about it. Uh, I read yeah. an article about the, the two guys that made the game and they're like, well, this is how, we pay, this is how we're going to be living the rest of our lives off this money. So... Right. But yeah, it was I, very well, it seems very well deserved. It was a fun article to read about, like, the, the road they took to get there and then how they were, like, blown away by the fact that they suddenly were, like, they had, at the time the article was published, they had just blown past $6 million in profit after uh, Steam took its cut. Mm-hmm. And they had been promising uh, the Patreon subscribers, because I've been su- supporting them on Patreon for a few years, that when they put it, put this on Steam sale, they would buy themselves health insurance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really like, I mean, Door Fortress is like, it's really the first, I've never actually played it because it's just like, it, I it's a meme. It was, because, because when it, because when it came, when I first was made aware of it, like over a decade ago, like I, I just I, the 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 lack of graphical user interfaces like was was a <laughs> was a thing for me that was a deal breaker because that's just you know, um, it it was impenetrable. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, but still I would like, I would have said that like, even like 10 years ago, even like not having played the game that I was a fan of it because people would tell me stories of it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, of, of weird things that had happened or stuff that had happened to another people. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it clearly and, yeah, was a very cleverly built game and it's exciting that it now has the, it, it's now accessible enough that more people will be able to play it and that the yeah. creators are getting paid for their work. Yeah. Yeah. And related to that, I've also been playing No Man's Sky and just enjoying tooling around the universe in my little spaceship. Yeah. Another great game. Another great success story of a game. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I got a Steam Deck this year, which has been fantastic because previously I just had a Switch and the Steam Deck is basically, what if your Switch... Had a had Steam library had your Steam library on it, that's it. So <laughs> I've been playing a bunch of crazy stuff, but the the big one for me, uh, I played Cyberpunk on it, twenty seventy seven on it, uh, and that was cool to like play like a AAA title on it. But the one that I have put the most hours in by a wide margin is Vampire Survivors, which is <laughs> like in the same vein as Dwarf Fortress graphic wise. It's like. It's like NES, SNES level graphics, and you only need to, like one joystick and one button to play. But it's incredibly addictive. Uh, it yeah, definitely I, tickles the uh, tickles the nostalgia button for us uh, graybeards. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I've been playing a bunch of stuff. Um, the game that I want to play more of uh, is uh, what's it called, Midnight Suns? But right now it doesn't run very well on the deck. As soon as it does, yeah, I will play I, more of it. I ended up re I I ended up refunding Midnight Suns and just getting it on PS5. Um, yeah, I kind of I'm kind of thinking maybe I would do that because it doesn't yeah, run very well on the deck. I it's unfortunate because honestly, Midnight Suns is like it's it hits this very sweet swat sweet. I'm gonna try that again. 
it hits this very sweet spot between board game and video game like art and rpg that i really enjoy because and it's basically it's a deck builder made into an rpg sort of with Um, a lot of friendship mechanics on top yeah definitely yeah it's really delightful and have you ever wanted to help nico minoru throw a surprise birthday party for magic I mean, the thing that I like, I'm actually because in the that's middle a of that storyline right now. And the thing that I love about that is that you have the, like, this is just, you have the option to be like, somebody says like, yeah, magic isn't going to like this. <laughs> yeah. And she hates surprises. And you could go to her and say, yeah, they're going to do this. And she's like, thank you for telling me this is fair. Like, yeah. Um, well, actually, I like, like that you get dark side points when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is, this is just like a very like, specific thing but um for a character who is chock full of baggage like magic uh magic is Ilyana rasputin she's colossus's little sister um who spent her childhood in the demon realm becoming the goblin queen yeah no she's not the goblin oh not the goblin queen the uh the what's she's she's the ruler of a hell dimension called limbo limbo um and um, like her. Is story... the door very short? Nah. Shut up. <laughs> um, but her story is like her backstory is one about childhood trauma, and the game doesn't take that lightly. And it's like for for a character who has like a ridiculously complicated history, like a mainstream game like this taking a very serious and like nuanced approach to it is very delightful and. Um, like not, not every character gets that deep. Um, like Blade has the hots for Carol Danvers and honestly it's charming. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a fun game. Like there aren't any true like romance mechanics, but it's like friendship mechanics instead. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. I like that Blade, not only does he have the hots for Carol, but he's got less, he's got less, uh, game than fucking Peter Parker does. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and yeah, and there's like, you just go hang and like, you know, when you're not doing like cool card based RPG play, um, you're like hanging out and you're like, you know, you are, you're going to, you're, you're hanging out at a swimming pool with like your, you know, a superhero, like your superhero buddies. There's a, there's a heavy like current of fan fiction in this game in a, in a appreciative way. Yeah. What about you, Anna? what you, what are you playing? Uh, I, I, played through all of horizon forbidden west in like not a marathon but like i played i 100 percent at that game um cool i love i loved horizon uh zero dawn and horizon forbidden west was also excellent um and very timely in terms of like the just oh, the thread of horrible billionaires <laughs> um I also I also played through most of Ghost of Tsushima, which I'd played through some of previously, but I I played through a bunch more of that. Um, Nobody will play multiplayer in that game with me anymore. Yeah, from 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 everything I hear about Amelia, I shouldn't. Look, that <laughs> uh, turns out that in a stealth based game, uh, going like full Leroy Jenkins doesn't work very well. Yeah. 
the the other the the indie games that I've been playing. Um, I just today beat Cult of the Lamb. Cult of the nice. Lamb was oh. so freaking good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I know, forgot right? about that. That was fun. That was yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, that is an enjoyable game. And I, I don't have... I feel like there were, like, one too many resources you had to manage, but other than that... Yeah, I, I have, like... Including poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really I really enjoyed that, though. It was, like, yeah. fun and cute, and the... I like that it basically pushes you to have a, a balance between your base building and your, like, adventuring. Um, yeah. The... The other one that I've been loving, um, that I'm late to, but you know what else is new? Wildermyth. Yeah, Wildermyth is good. Um, I've really been, I've really been enjoying that. Um, actually, my husband and I have been like putting. We've connected. Um, his his gaming PC is one of the inputs on the television. Um, so we've been throwing up Wildermyth on the TV and playing through together. Cool. Um, which is it's it's a very nice like cozy game for that because you can both work together on the strategy aspects in the um, battles and you can like play through the you, know, you can be like well this character would definitely respond with like this specific you know, nice. narrative mm-hmm. choice and it's it's fun. Um, so my game of my my like probably favorite game of the year uh, was a board game in fact which was uh, Wingspan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that has been on my wish list. I keep meaning to buy that because you you said such good things about it. Go pick up the I like it's not on sale anymore, but pick up the Steam digital version, or do, or like on your phone if you want. Um, you can actually play it with a controller. So because I have to unplug it because it keeps trying to make me want to use my controller. <laughs> uh, I have to or um, I have to unplug my controller. That is, um, but yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fun like. It isn't quite a Euro game, like, with worker placement and stuff, but it's got, like, some elements of that. Um, and I mean, it's just really well designed. It's a pretty game. And I, the the ultimate judge of whether a game, like, I know a game is, like, good is when I take a game to Thanksgiving with my dad, um... I got a text message like a week later saying, you're bringing this for Christmas, right? I need, <laughs> like, like I need to get my win back. <laughs> nice. I need to get back at this. Um, but like in terms of video games, uh, like Midnight Suns is, it's really weird because it feels like the first like two thirds of this year were nothings for me in terms of games. But then like the last like two months have been a lot of stuff that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, they um, were. This has been a banger fall winter for games. Yeah, I mean, like, and normally that's how it's supposed to go, is because you're like you're ramping up for Christmas and stuff. But it felt like even more so this year. Um, but I, I'm, I'm only, I would, I don't even know how far I'm into this because it's, I this this game keeps throwing new curveballs at me. But God of War Ragnarok um, is so good. Like it's like the first like God of War's like did it's like sort of soft reboot of moving to Norse mythology. And like the first one is like it's breathtakingly good. The Ragnarok is I'd say even better because it it learns it builds on the stuff that the first game does 
and doesn't try to like reset any of the relationships that were forged in the first game to like a status quo doesn't try to reset them so it can like make it e- like make it easier to start off the game instead it's all this mess you've dragged in from the first game is still there for for like a conclusion which i i think is delightful it's um it ha- hits an interesting bit where i'm playing it in marathon sprints of like five or six hours at a time, but then I have to put the game away for one or two weeks. Mm. Yeah. Um, because it, there are emotional beats in the game that are hitting pretty hard and it does that very well. Yeah. Uh, um, any final words here for 2022 before we chat about what's next in 2023? 2022 uh, happened, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, like I feel like I've done a lot this year. Like I, I did Twitch streaming. I did. You started writing for Gatecrasher too. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, and I was doing I was doing that already. But I did I started doing like comic reviews and stuff. And so I've I've been bouncing around a lot of stuff. And I'm like I want to try doing more different things. That that's just a personal me thing. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. I I've really been enjoying trying new things when it comes to like crit and yeah. Well, for 2023, what's going on with our network? Well, <laughs> we're going to finish. We're going to finish Discworld. We're going to finish Discworld. Uh, we're probably going to have a pre-Shepherd's Crown off-ramp for those of you who are not going to be able to read that with us. Uh, I don't blame you. I was there until the show. Uh, some good guests coming up. Um, uh and we're probably also going to finish Person of Interest this year too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we're gonna. I'm just going off it. We're probably going to finish it in June or July. Yep. About when we finish uh, Discworld too, actually. Yeah. And we'll have another show lined up. We're not gonna finish up. <laughs> I don't get to leave that easily. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I we think... don't know what we're, we don't really know what we're doing yet. No, and... we haven't decided. We we knew we were going to do Person of Interest after B five. We had some qualms about it at one point, but we we Person of Interest had been on been on our minds for a while. Yeah. Um, whenever Strange New World season two comes out, we'll cover that. Yeah. Um, I think. But I, I don't know what we're going to do next. I think we I think we might pause whatever series we're doing. And just do Strange New Worlds because yeah. trying to do double killed us last year, this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just Kills destroyed you. our right. backlog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, think... yeah, that's what it did. It just destroyed our backlog. And, yeah. we, and fun. we can't do double episodes ever again. And we've just yeah. been we've yeah. just been struggling to hang on with our fingernails. I mean, we're we're getting we're getting we're getting back to the backlog now. And yeah. I, and after the holidays, we're gonna we're gonna kick back into full gear. Yeah. Um I think for our next show, I'm hoping our format has been our first show. Justin hadn't seen it for person of interest. Anna hadn't seen it. So we'll see if we hold the format and our next show is one I haven't seen. I mean, I think I'm good with like one that one of us hasn't seen and it doesn't, we don't have to go all around the circle or anything. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think if something catch, I think if something cat. Part I'm more interested in like, it being think, a good show than I am about it fitting the meme. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think my problem is that, like, there's been a lot of stuff that's pitched, but nothing has quite, like, grabbed on to me um, the, the way that, like, Person of Interest has, where it's like, oh, yeah, there's going to be these through lines themes that I want to talk about. And well, yeah, we've, that's the we've, trick like, with it. joking, not joking 
talked about doing Westworld. Yeah, I just we're not going to be able to watch that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's, they're taking it off fucking HBO. <laughs> yeah, I don't, and it's like I problem is this, I just don't enjoy watching the first se- like two seasons of of Westworld. I didn't, just so I, I think it was fine. It just wasn't like I. I it's not something that I'd want to dig into. Like even like the later stuff. It's just like I think, I it's, think it's it's interesting to watch as a sequel to Person of Interest, but I don't think I would want to cover it. Like I think it's funny yeah. as a meme to like joke about it, but. I think I we'll think find that, something. Like we'll I've suggested Leverage a few times, and I think that Leverage falls into a bit of the same thing of like I always re- enjoy rewatching Leverage, and I love to to experience you watching it, Jude, for the first time. But also, like I'm not sure that we could do anything better than the director commentary on the DVDs. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So TBD. Yeah. 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 We'll figure out something. I'm sure. And then the the other thing that I'm just going to cross-promote here, uh, about a year and a bit ago, I signed a fasting bargain with um, my, with Scott Paladin, friend of the show, uh, to um, guest edit the Ted Lasso episode that we did uh, because I hadn't watched it yet. And in return, I agreed to edit a few uh, Breathing Space Fading Frontier episodes. And now I'm a writer on the show. So... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look forward to in the um, uh, anti-capitalist hope punk space western. I have inserted diners, drive-ins, and dives. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it's going to be good. Check out that. I think it's la- next season launches uh, March, April, something around there. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? I mean, um, on my end, uh, keep an eye on the Atherbeth Twitter. We'll have some stuff to announce before the end of the year. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, from all, uh, Anna, anything on your end? No, I'm boring. Uh, I don't have any. Yeah, I mean, this, this is all I've got. This is all I've got, my friends. You are stacker Pentecost. You are a fixed point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, as we as we close out our 2022, we want to thank uh, listeners for both shows, both for putting up with our bullshit and for uh, hanging around with us. Um, yeah. You know, we don't quite know what the future will hold, as is the nature of the future, but we hope you'll stick around and uh, that, you know, we'll be seeing you. Until next time. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. Yeah, and we're going to start with uh, Exogenesis, which... <laughs> no, fuck, I did that wrong. Oh. Uh, because I watched Exogenesis first today, because it was the one I had to do before. So uh, we're going to get that right this time. First, we're going to be starting off with Episode Disc. <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> <laughs>